Hello and welcome to Secrets of Storytellers. I'm Shubham Agarwal and we're joined by Mr. Tarun Anand today who is the chairman at uh, Universal Business School. A little about the school. It started uh, about 10 years back and is ranked among the most innovative business schools in India as a premier management college offering pioneering programs, entrepreneurial experiences at both undergraduate and postgraduate levels. Its pedagogic innovation and pioneering tie-ups have made it one of the top BBA and MBA institutions in terms of alumni performance and industry demand. We are joined by Mr. Tarun Anand today. He's had a illustrious career through various organizations working for HSBC, Thomson Reuters, Chicago Mercantile Exchange and lot more. He spent 17 years in the corporate world before starting on this educational venture that he is. Let us welcome him and discuss more about his journey. Hi Tarun, welcome to Secrets of Storytellers. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for having me on this platform. Great. So Tarun, uh, I was reading through your uh, you know profile and uh, it it's obviously a very long list of uh, things that you have achieved in life and uh, and I'm sure that you you know you've reached a very successful stage in life. But my question is the entire opposite. Is that what's your biggest failure in life and you know what did you learn from that experience? Great. Uh yes sir it's uh, rare that one gets to talk about one's failures uh, the focus always tends to shift to the successes so I'm glad you asked me this question uh you know I um along with a couple of colleagues from Reuters where I was running global CEO position running a 2 billion dollar business in 136 countries quit we went to our company board and pitched for 90 million dollars in funding to create the world's first fx exchange we partnered with two other senior colleagues from chicago mercantile exchange which was the world's largest exchange i was working in wall street uh so we went back to our company to say hey we want to put this unique platform and we need 90 million dollars funding we got the funding which is the good part and then we set out running uh, ramping up the uh, the service in first in uk in europe in continental europe then we moved to wall street did amazingly well with the largest banks uh, whether it's jp morgan goldman sachs all of us as our customers and then we moved to hong kong mm-hmm. uh, to spread our footprint in asia where i moved in as ceo of asia pacific and then guess what happened the financial crisis hit us uh, we were doing five yards of trading which means 5 billion dollars of trading was happening on our platform wow. every single day and uh, overnight it went down to 150 million because my biggest customers were Lehman Brothers AIG oh Morgan Stanley all of these guys were uh, on you know death knell best turn this was my one of my big you must have started shitting bricks yeah so it was quite a shock right and then i remember the day when uh, lehman collapsed i was on wall street uh, yeah. not too far away from our office in times square and we saw these thousands of people leaving so we knew uh so we made those crazy uh, calls to all our customers all our prime brokers all, all the hedge funds what's happening you know are you going to continue to support our platform right. are you going to trade foreign exchange on our platform and they said we don't know whether we live to see another week your platform is the last thing so the board essentially took the call to you know pull the plug mm. and uh, essentially we lost 90 million dollars right that's a huge amount and uh, i had to shut all the offices in asia pacific you know uh, you know 10 offices lots of employees i literally went flying from one city to the other firing staff and shutting down uh, you know offices 
So it wasn't pretty. It was a very tough moment because you know uh, you're went... you're even you know taking away uh, livelihoods. Yeah. So that was a tough moment, and I literally quit. And I said, "That's it. You know, I've done with the financial services, the banking world, which I came from. I want to give back to society and set up uh, a business school, universal business school." At that point, my chairman, the global CEO of Thomson Reuters, uh, Tom Glosser, a, you know, American lawyer, he said, "No, come and work for me in Europe." and come and work for me in london and new york and i had already worked in london new york so i'm like you know i'm done with it tom right. he said no you're you're an investment and i'm like hey i just made a 90 million dollar loss i know enough about balance sheets that where loss stands yeah. and where investment are very different places right. right so i couldn't understand why is he saying you're an investment and then he gave me a, he chased me around and he told me uh, he gave me the last corporate job i had which was managing director of thompson reuters South Asia mm-hmm. and when he gave me that job he said uh, it's an investment and I was like you know pagal aadmi hai but the <laughs> three years later I paid him back with 320 million dollars uh, you know in terms of top line and very sizable bottom line and that's the day I realized that why he called me investment the amount of learning that one goes through in a mm-hmm. failure the amount of tenacity the amount of bashing one has to take it the emotional caution and uh, the ability to you know jump back he had confidence in me i honestly had no confidence in the corporate world so i always uh, learned from that situation that every failure is a huge learning a huge learning and in this accelerated le- world that we are going into if you don't accelerate your learning and you don't get multiple failures you're never going to hit success that's 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 lovely i think uh... it's it's only like a news to us the the global meltdown and to be talking to someone who was right in the at the helm of things it's it's phenomenal how you cope up with that and i think we are to thank god that we're sitting here having a laugh about it uh, and you know we're talking about the learnings from it but but that's wonderful uh, the kind of career that you have come through but this was a big risk you know or have you taken a bigger risk in life uh yeah i think uh, i i i have to roll back uh, what got me the global ceo job in one way was a risk mm. so we used to be in london shubham and we in london we had a, a global management team we had you know four brits couple of americans couple of uh, french guys a japanese a chinese an australian a brazilian and me an indian part of a global management meet we used to meet every uh, three months to see what is the strategic decisions that we need to take to grow the business and one such meeting mm. i distinctly remember my good friend uh, heiko kassens from germany dusseldorf he said we need to acquire this german company it was a 25 million dollar acquisition so we all agreed okay. yeah makes sense but my boss said no without doing due diligence and due diligence is mm. going into the you know bunker and seeing whether it's worth acquiring <laughs> we can't just make a call so he asked who amongst you will do the due diligence and my german friend who knew the german uh, environment uh, he said i'll do the due diligence in his typical german accent and i'll do it and so the boss said uh, tom said how long will you take heiko he said i'll take two months great now my good friend michael mccockle who was an american part of our team uh, you know the americans always like to get under the skin of the germans since world war 2 yeah so it was quite an interesting thing he said i'll do the due diligence and how long will you take uh, mikey he said one month 
So the German got a little irritated, and so they started arguing with each other, right? You know, no, no, we right. need to do this. That's half the time. Analysis and the Americans are like, no, we need speed, fast, fast, fast. And I'm watching this. I put up my hand. So right. my boss, uh, you know, my name was Tarun Anand, but I was called Taran. So he said, Taran, what do you say? I said, Mark, I'd like to go and do the due diligence. He said, How long will it take, Taran? I said, Two weeks, not months. two weeks <laughs> and so the german and the american you know just completely pounced on me you don't know anything about business you don't know you've been new in europe how are you going to do this and they were just like you know hitting me and my boss intervened and said no no let taran do it so guess what that very evening i flew to frankfurt i landed on frankfurt airport the first thought that came to my mind i've never done due diligence in my life huge risk humongous risk so anyway back to the wall i had to work like crazy 20 hours days Non-stop for two weeks on the twenty on the fourteenth day, I gave my boss the due diligence report, and he was looking at it. He found a few errors, and I was like, you know, Gaib has funny me. I'm going to get fired. But he said it's enough for us to take it to the next level, uh, which is financial closure, non-disclosure agreement. So I was amazed. I was like, wow, I just managed to pull it off, and I forgot about it. Six months later, I get a call from my boss saying, uh, Tarrant, let's have dinner tonight, and I said, okay, fine. at that meeting uh, dinner meeting my boss opened a bottle of don perignon champagne and he says congratulations taran you're the new global ceo of the treasury business and i was like wow laddu phoot rahe the you know and funny part shubham was mm-hmm. i was wondering why i asked him uh, yeah. thank you but why because all the other colleagues they were from you know harvard wharton stanford oxford nobody had heard of spgen right it's a great school but <laughs> in that world right. it didn't exist so why me and all the team members i was the youngest i was just 32 years these guys were 40 45 years old so people with 10 15 years more experience than me why did i get it and my boss just said one thing i knew you took a risk and you smashed the deadline because when i saw your report i knew you hadn't done a typical you know thing and that's what i'm looking for in my global ceo someone who'd smash the deadline and that's what i say that you know sometimes the biggest risks have the biggest payoff and there you were you know sitting in new york on wall right. street but you can't just be taking risk uh, you know out of thin hair this was this was crazy i would say uh, to say the least and this i don't know how did you have the confidence to even say that you know it was one fourth the time what a german had uh, committed for the audit what i want to understand is who are uh, you know the people that you are influenced by in life because probably that's where you're drawing inspirations from <laughs> so i i you know i'll uh, there are tons and tons uh, but the three which come top of my mind uh, is uh, you know uh, i would say i've never met him but i'm hugely influenced by him elon musk i mean uh, you know he's a dreamer he's a guy who's created not difficult to guess <laughs> yeah incredible value out of nothing right whether it's you know electric cars which run at the speed of porsche in fact they beat the porsche yeah. 911 or sending yeah. rockets to mars uh, and even thinking that we could tomorrow have a settlement then just the thought you know designing a hyperloop to reimagine public transport uh, to solar city which has completely revolutionized the uh, the revenue model of you know coming in saying i'll put in all the hardware and then you get yeah. lower bills who won't buy that so i think from a dreamer and innovation perspective i am a big big fan of uh, elon and follow him deeply 
the other two happened to be my parents my father his work ethic was insane he was a workaholic and he was a teacher so he used to work 5 days a week for multinationals he worked for you know the novartis and the royal dutch shell and on weekends he would teach for 9 9 hours at jamnalal uh, uh, bajaj uh, sp jain and narsimonji so i think uh, i haven't seen a man with such a work ethic he had a massive never say die attitude high levels of tenacity and uh, you know it was just amazing to see that nothing could affect him even the worst thing including death threat right you know he used to fight yeah. against uh, datta samant who was one of the worst uh, union leaders india has seen and we've i've seen mm-hmm. effigies of his burnt outside our window screen smashed our cars smashed uh, and the guy was just like able to manage all of that so uh, tons from my father and i have to say my mother because um, uh, and that held me good through the covid period you know compassion empathy and sensitivity uh, we all going through a tough time each one of us and uh, uh, that has been a huge blessing for that that kind of uh, realization that ceos of the future if they want to be uh, they need to have ceo as in chief empathy officer and then they're going to succeed right lovely i think uh, that's uh, the value of empathy the value of uh, emotional intelligence the emotional question has been talked about a lot in the past few years and more so uh, given the pandemic and uh, no doubt i totally agree with you on the fact that you know you need to have a lot of empathy to lead well that i mean whatever you have told me is like a roller coaster i can think of that you have already had in life to add to it you know coming from a financial background uh, working for the you know fortune 500 companies and setting up large exchanges like you have in in your life i see that you have started a school a business school uh, that in india which is a very competitive space when it comes to business schools there are lots and lots of them and i and you both are from one and you have successfully done that in a very short uh, time period i think the 2020 placement season saw a massive increase in the median salary as well and you had record placements how did this idea of setting up a business school come in the first place uh thanks shubhan for that uh, it was uh, you know i started at the world economic forum so i had the opportunity to sit with all the leaders of the biggest businesses in the world and they used to continuously and when i was on the panel as well uh, you know every problem in the world they said you know uh, one of the biggest solutions was education and i'm like everybody mm-hmm. saying that how many of them are jumping on the side and doing it so i believe in walking the talk and i said okay let me see if i can solve some of the problems uh, of business some of the problems of society which i think business schools have a great opportunity with the learning to come together so that was the initial ideation and then i said you know if you have to set up something one of the formulas i always say is you got to become a, a customer to the service or product that you're bringing into the market and i had the opportunity in london okay. new york to uh, you know recruit from i've recruited from columbia business school cornell nyu stern in india as well from the iims and spgen when i was md here so i said once you become a customer to uh, what you're doing then you have a better idea of what is required you have insight absolutely yeah. so and and i have to give it i was inspired by isb hyderabad who had done an incredible job but there's a caveat there when uh, the founder rajat gupta said if he sets up a world class business school in india he said it must be in mumbai 
And then he moved to Hyderabad. And I said, you know what? Uh, now, uh, let, let me try and do it in Mumbai, uh, which is the business capital, close enough. And uh, so we got 60 CEOs on our board uh, who've advised me in this journey. And that's really played a huge support in building up the school. So very interesting that you mentioned the WEF, the World Economic Forum. Even more interesting that you have uh, hired from, you know, India and the outside. What do you think about the curriculum when it comes to B-schools? You know, do you think the curriculum that we study in India in B-schools, at least the top B-schools, is it at par with the international standards? No, I absolutely believe the top B-schools are on the ball and they're continuously catching up. Uh, I would say there might be a sliver which is why the rankings of Howard are different from our IAMs. So there is something, but the, the, you know, they're forging uh, a lot, learning. They're part of all these global forums. Uh, so I think uh, it's, it's great. We as a school uh, have had to you know, change our curriculum three times in a year. Literally every term we say, okay, this is moved, change it. Add this, subtract this, divide this, you know, do all of that. And I think that's what... Very dynamic. Uh, all, all the schools have to. Uh, but one, one interesting thing we did, and that's one of the things which um, we, uh, you know, you, from international curriculum, we said, hey, why don't we follow the international curriculum itself? So we, on our campus, following global standards, uh, we, we uh, deliver a British curriculum, a French curriculum, an American curriculum, an Italian and European curriculum on campus. Like we, we take it from Very them, we deliver it, uh, and uh, so they, when these guys make changes, of course, they come. We add to it. We add the Indian tadka to it. And uh, it's delivered by effectively by Indian and uh, uh, foreign faculty. Well, that's lovely. I didn't know about that. And that's very interesting. I think that's a very wise way to, you know, have a nice blend of the curriculums that are taught across the world. Because not one is perfect, but everything has, everyone has something which is unique and, uh, you know, important probably. Great. So like you said, you are a customer to these productive service that you are uh, yourself delivering. What's your biggest challenge right now? What, what are you grappling with? What is keeping up uh, you up in the night? You know, uh, the, the biggest challenge, I would say it is government regulation, right? Very difficult. <laughs> Imagine someone who has right. no experience, Shubham, of setting up a university, gets a license to a greenfield project. And, uh, and, and someone who's delivered... Uh, you know, for high quality education, global education for over a decade, you know, they, they find ways to make it difficult for the, these people. And these are many, many uh, professionals like me who've tried this. And even the bureaucrats, when I talk to the bureaucrats, they say there is an inherent flaw in the system, uh, which is there. So I think that's something which uh, I've always said, you can't do much about it. And recently, I think it's the COVID restrictions. Uh, I believe, uh, you know, schools and colleges, yeah have been hit maximum with non-stop closures. Uh, this is having a very, um, you know, adverse impact on student grades, student engagement levels, attention levels. I think an offline MBA just doesn't make sense. No, it absolutely. How can it be? So, uh, so I think yeah. it's, and, and besides students, of course, it's, I believe it's also impacting the faculty. They have to do magic by looking at a keyhole. Right, without even getting the, the feedback, which is why many people go into, uh, you know, academics because they want that connection with that student. How are you going to make it, uh, you know, that personal connect, which makes them go out of their way? And so I think that's adding tremendous pressure. 
And, you know, we talk about the great uh, resignation in the Western world. It's already hitting in the United States. It's already hitting faculty. There has been a survey which says that more than 50% of the faculty want, are thinking of quitting in the U.S. from being jobs. That's going to happen. And it is happening in the India. I think uh, that's... And see, in every other field, you can scale up. But why is that? What's, what's the core reason for that? Sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, no. So, so the reason is, so you are taking away the physical connection from the faculty. They, therefore, the grades are dropping. You're adding pressure to the faculty to increase the grades without even giving them the opportunity to be face-to-face. And there is a lot of administrative take. And therefore, faculty are leaving, uh, you know, saying this is not what I signed up for. And that's adding to the, uh, you know, the demand supply. So the students are going to be there. Less faculty means larger classrooms, further decline in outcomes. So it's it's a tough situation. It's a vicious loop. It's yeah. A vicious loop. And, yeah. And so I think, uh, you know, any other place you can scale up uh, the skill set. But, you know, specialist faculty, it's very, very difficult. Uh, so I think this is where uh, this is going to be challenging for all us uh, educators. And uh, we have to be cognizant about it and be extra nice to the amazing faculty. <laughs> right. I think uh, the the faculty or the the people in the academics in India at least need to be respected a lot more than they are. And I think with people like you and, you know, colleges and schools like you, we have some good faith that the future would be bright for them. I have a very, it could be troubling question. But, you know, the colleges, uh, and we mentioned in the discussion as well, you know, colleges like uh, IAMs, uh, they've taken years to build their credibility, right? And uh, UBS for one has, you know, or ISB like you mentioned, some of these very new age colleges have built their credibility in a very sh- uh, short period of time, you know, and they've done really well. But how are you ensuring that uh, you come at par with these B schools? Because I'm sure there's still a long way to cover. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they have done an incredible job in building superior managers over the years. Uh, you know, I just talk about unicorns, right? Some of the unicorns are taking on giants uh, like, you know, GE, which was a hundred billion dollar company is now breaking down. So I think uh, the ability to be agile, the ability to know the customer much more intimately, because that's the only way you can survive in any industry, whether it's education or not, uh, and to come up with unique propositions, right? So for example, uh, I told you global quality of curriculum, right? We give the curriculum, you can go to UK, you can go to US, you will find the exact curriculum delivered by international faculty here. So that's one second. Second is international accreditation, right? Uh, the IAMs have AACSB, AMBA. Yeah. The programs I run on my campus are AACSB and AMBA accredited. So they are at par. In fact, the rankings of my partners are sometimes higher than the IAMs, if you look at it, because in they, the student gets a dual degree, right? So he's getting a UBS, where is definitely not as high ranked, but he gets a partner uh, degree, which is higher rank, in fact. Uh, And the third thing I think we focus a lot on is industry faculty. In fact, I'm biased on that front. Coming from industry myself, I think, uh, you know, if you have to learn cricket, right? Yeah. You have an option to go to Harsha Bhogle to learn or Sachin Tendulkar. Harsha speaks very well. Sachin has played on every, he's faced every bowler and uh, system. So who would you pick? If you ask a cricketer, he'll say Sachin Tendulkar or a Virat Kohli mm. because they've played on every pitch. They know. 
So I believe practitioners do a lot of magic. And, uh, you know, if I have to teach a student how to do a mm. negotiating with the Japanese or the Chinese or the Israelis, I can do it because yeah. I have done it, right? You can speak from experience. So I think industry faculty uh, is a bias we have. Uh, I'm not saying uh, it's uh, PhDs cannot. Yeah, PhDs who right. have large consulting assignments, they are at par. Uh, but that's so true in the US, it's not that true in India, right? And that's where I think we uh, have changed. And finally, I would like to add that, uh, you know, it's on the uh, andragogy. So we don't follow pedagogy. We, in fact, peda comes from the word child, yeah. which is fine for anybody up to K-12. After that, you're dealing with an adult, right? 18 years. And therefore, the adult has a very different mindset. And therefore, the teaching of adults is called andragogy. What that means is, it means that you've got to bring the student with his, he's not like um, uh, grade oriented, he's goal oriented. He, he's got goals, he's got dreams, he's got experiences he'd like to share. He's equal to the professor. He's not like sage on stage, it's guide by your side. So I think that when you change that, you know, and stop doing what um, one, one hears about in many colleges in, in the country, I think you've created a different method of learning and to me, I call that experiential learning, action learning. You can call it application-based learning. So we have huge uh, innovation in that. In fact, we talked to our 60 CEOs and we said, you know what? Let's start from where Harvard Business School says the case study method is the best method of teaching. Let's innovate upwards. So we have certain programs. Uh, a case study are great for functional concept, uh, but from an experience, the world is changing so fast. So if, if the case is not six months old, it's, you know, the world has changed. So we say that, you know, how do we build skills through learning? Uh, because the industry is going to hire for skills and attitude. Knowledge is available on Google. So how do you transfer that is what we are doing. So every month I push my faculty to come up with a new experiential learning tool uh, to excite and engage the new learners of uh, the future CEOs. Right. That's lovely. I mean, uh, you know, if, if I were to summarize the entire thing, I would say you're hitting the right uh, chords on disruption. And like uh, Clayton Christensen says, and I love whenever I'm able to quote him, uh, disruption is the only way forward that you can fight the giants. That's lovely, uh, Tarun. I think uh, a lot to learn and this concept of uh, andragogy. I'm going to look up more on this. I didn't know about it. This is great uh, because you're right. Uh, it's totally different how you teach uh, an adult and B schools have all adults, uh, at least they're all graduates. So you have to have a very different way of teaching them. Wonderful, uh, uh, Tarun. I think a uh, great first section of the podcast. And uh, this brings us to the concluding section of the podcast. Very light and something which is a common across all my uh, episodes throughout the, throughout the show. So like, you know, we call the show Secrets of Storytellers. I want to hear a secret uh, from you probably about the business venture or about this journey of setting up the venture, the Universal Business School that, uh, you know, you've probably not spoken a lot about in the open. So, um, you know, it was very tough, Shubham. In the early days, for first, first five years, I think we did go through a tough period. Everybody was questioning me. Everybody thought I'm mad to leave a corporate career. Uh, I had to sell everything I have, including my garage, we took funding at 24%, which most businesses 
will die, uh, and we're happy to live that tale. So it's been a tough going. We put, uh, I always believe in walking the talk. So we put everything we had into it rather than going out there. So I think that was a tough, people don't know it. Everybody looks at the good side. Yes, you've come across. Uh, yeah. But I would say the secret sauce to get through this was massive amounts of risk taking. In fact, horrible amount of risk taking. Uh, but that's what seen me through, which I talked to you at the beginning. And I think the other secret sauce I would just say is quickest method of decision making, right? Split second decisions. I think that these are the two, ta- uh, you know, twin, I would say, uh, tracks, risk taking and massive speed in decision making and never happy with the status quo, right? Uh, keep challenging ourselves. And that's what has put us on this path. The fact that a business school's foundation is on, uh, you know, quick decision making and risk taking, I think the business school is going to do good <laughs> because that's what the people who, uh, you know, pass out are going to be responsible for. That's lovely, Tarun. I think uh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And it was it was lovely discussing with you, lovely having a chat with you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you on this platform. Thank you so much, Tarun. That's so kind of you. In case people want to reach out to you, our listeners want to reach out to you, could you please share uh, where they can? Um, so if you want to email me, it's tarun at ubs.org.in or LinkedIn is, is the other best way. Lovely. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that, Tarun. I'm sure a lot of you, you, you're bound to hear from a lot of people soon. Great. And uh, for all the listeners, this is Shubham signing off. Until next time. Bye-bye.